0: Stack Overflow is supported by CircleCI. Now that every company is a software company, getting code to market quickly and securely matters. Learn why developers rely on CircleCI to manage their continuous integration and delivery pipelines at circleci.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Stack Overflow podcast. This is a home episode today. I'm joined by Cassidy Williams and Ciara. I'm your host for today. My name is Matt. I'm a technical evangelist here at Stack Overflow. Hello,
1: everyone. Yes, I'm Cassidy. I am head of developer experience and education at Remote. That's Remote.com, where we help you hire remote workers and be a remote worker and
2: all that. Yeah, very cool. I'm Sierra Ford. I am a developer advocate at Apollo GraphQL. We help people do things with GraphQL and manage their GraphQL APIs and their graphs and all that kind of interesting techie jazz. And I help them <laughs> teach people how to do that. So, fun job. I'm going to get like a bunch of PR people
1: coming to us saying, is that how you described our company? <laughs> and
2: it'll be great. Uh, I hope none of my coworkers workers listen Hire to this episode. Stuff? <laughs> yeah.
0: I- do like techie jazz, but Cassie, was is that a new gig? Have you picked it up recently?
2: Yeah, this is this
1: is week four for me. I started this. Oh, congratulations. January. Yeah, it's time flies, by the way. I can't believe it's already week four. But I'm I'm really excited about it. It's it's something where so we're we're doing a bunch of cool things. And remote has grown wildly fast. I'm just going to talk about that for a second. When I first started like chatting with their CTO, Marcelo, very nice guy, we we were kind of just friendly like, oh, I don't think it'll work out now, but maybe let's let's stay in touch back at the beginning of the pandemic, March 2020. And around then they were at like 25 people. Guess how many employees they have now? Just guess. How many? I'm going to
0: say 200? 200
1: is a guess. They just hit 900 employees. Wow. Wow.
2: Whoa. Isn't oh that God. wild?
1: Yeah. And 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 really I think it's just what happens in this pandemic people have been working remotely so much more. And yeah. so what what remote does is it let's just say I'm a startup and I want to hire um, a bunch of workers. And I'm based in the US, but I find someone in Budapest who's a really awesome developer, but I don't want to deal with all the legal implications of hiring them and then making sure that they have their benefits and stuff in place. Do I hire them as a contractor or a full-time person, whatever? Remote handles all that for you. And so I could use Remote to hire this person in Budapest, and then they will have a full-time job paid in their own currency full benefits and everything they act like an employer of record of that and they do this all over the world and add more countries daily it feels like And, (laughs) and so they've just been growing exponentially because of all the remote work movement that's been happening
2: awesome that's so cool
0: yeah, it's it's something that I had to deal with and it's kind of like near and dear to my heart because for those of you who can't tell by my accent, I'm not American. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not hired and working out of America. So I had to go through that whole process with Stack where they couldn't hire me locally. And so they had to hire, a, use a third party company to set up all of my like getting paid all the way through to like life insurance and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So having a service like that, that enables you to kind of like have a global workforce Awesome.
1: Right. And I I don't mean to be a total shill, but it's it's <laughs> awesome because it's like it's so affordable for like startups to use it and stuff cuz it's it's just a flat fee I, I I'm going to butcher it so oh, hopefully again PR doesn't
0: PR department. Fact check.
1: Yeah, I'm so sorry, but I think it's only like $299 per employee, oh. and it, and it's a oh, flat wow. fee, and so you can really grow a ton and be able to hire all of these people remotely, and and it be sustainable, and that's their whole yeah. goal is to make being able to hire anybody a really sustainable process instead of you know going through all the hoops of setting up a whole system just for one person.
2: Yeah, I, I love that because I think. Um, I've noticed that now, especially during the pandemic, so many people are learning how to code, trying to get into tech. And a lot of tech jobs are remote.
1: Unfortunately,
2: Mm -hmm. a lot of tech companies are based out of like Europe or the U.S. But there's so much talent everywhere. Yeah. Every country, every continent. And I think that's a huge barrier to entry for a lot of people is like, oh, but they don't allow workers from such and such country or region. So that's cool. I'm glad that we have companies like remote to help fix that problem.
1: It's very cool. And, and the people who are joining with me, like I had an onboarding call and there was people from New Zealand, from South Korea, from South Africa, wow. from Jamaica, from all kinds of countries that normally you just don't see if, if you're in a very US-centric or European-centric workplace. And so it, it was really exciting to see.
0: It sounds like you're almost gonna very similar to going to like a model UN or something like that. You just <laughs> know, have right? someone from everywhere.
1: <laughs> it, it's it's just cool to see all of the different languages being able to be supported and and really caring about the internationalization of work.
0: So there's a there's a wonderful company called Buffer who they have a completely open salary plan where the, yes. you can go and see what the CEO is earning. You can see kind of like wow. everyone from like the very top. I don't want to say down to the bottom, but in terms of pay on a quantitative scale, yeah. you can mm-hmm. see who's earning the most and who's earning the least. And they, what they have in there is a, a cost of living calculator. So if you're living in San Francisco or you're living in, say, for example, um, Milwaukee or somewhere that's got a very low cost of living, they basically multiply your salary based off of that. And I thought that was cool at first, but then I was like, no, but they're providing the same value to the company and the job that they're doing. So. Right. And it's just, you get all these discussions happening because yeah. I can see both sides of, of the story.
1: Yeah, it's difficult because you see people saying like, well, if they can afford someone in San Francisco, why can't they afford that same salary in Milwaukee? But then they can't always afford everyone in San Francisco, but you don't want it, to, it's 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 not something we're going to solve on a podcast.
0: <laughs> so, Sio, you mentioned ratio before. <laughs> And I'm already starting <laughs> to feel out of touch because I don't know what that is. Can you oh please explain that to me? Yes, wow. I'd love to
2: explain it. And then we can move on, to,
0: <laughs> <I> <laughs> can on to the Gen Z topic.
2: Yes, especially after the week I've had. So I got ratioed three times last week, okay, across two different Twitter accounts. But I'll explain what a ratio is. So basically, when you tweet something, it's it's typically something that happens on Twitter, but it can happen on like other apps too, but it makes more sense on Twitter. So basically, say I say something like, I think grits coleslaw and another food like what's another food that i hate hmm. you
1: didn't uh, like mac and cheese right
2: oh i said no. that i like to put hot sauce and mac and cheese i like to put okay. hot sauce and sriracha and mac oh, and cool. cheese so i said those things on twitter and what happens is usually the way that people show their support for your tweet is by liking but when you get ratio that means that you have like barely any likes and like a hundred comments of people disagreeing with you and like a hundred <laughs> quote retweets of people like saying like, she's so silly for thinking that or whatever. So that's what happened on my my main Twitter account, which is like, I kind of expected that to happen. <laughs> so it wasn't <laughs> bad, but sometimes like, sometimes people, you'll say something and people will legitimately like be upset with you and like really like, really come at you and when you get ratioed. So it's, sometimes it's not the best experience when you're like being ratioed for instance also over the weekend and this is funny because it happened during our last podcast recording before the recording i had like i have a k-pop twitter account so i can keep up with the like k-pop stuff (laughs) and like keep it separate from everything else so on that account i like tweeted something about a very popular k-pop group and i don't even want to say the name after the response i got but after (laughs) tweeting that um i was in the recording and i'm like yeah i'm having a good time and then like i kind of noticed that my phone was like going off a little bit but i didn't pay any attention and i got i was getting ratioed for like sharing my opinion (laughs) i'm laughing now but like people were trying to hack into my account they were like oh my god they were sending me dms they were quote, quote retuning me i eventually went private and they were like still like Adding me, like saying really, really <laughs> mean stuff. Gosh. Um, so yeah, it's like a very common experience of people who are chronically online, like me. Um, so yeah, sometimes being ratioed is funny, like it was with my food opinions, but sometimes it's not. Like there have been times where like I said something and people were like being mean about it or whatever, but I never got like I had. I think at one point I had about two hundred quote retweets. <laughs>
1: oh gosh that's a lot yeah and i (laughs) had
2: i had like a bunch of dms i was also getting messages from twitter like here's your here's your code to like log into your account here's your code to log into your account because people were trying to hack into my account and then i got a bunch of comments um and that was the first time i ever had really experienced like that much at once and granted i missed most of it because i was in i was recording a podcast episode but it just made me think about like how even if you disagree with someone and even if you rightfully disagree with someone there are better ways to approach it than that Mm. and sometimes I think which is important for us we I think we discussed this in an episode before but it's really important for us when you do like external outreach for whatever company you work for you sometimes become the public face for the company and the work that you do and the team that you work with um so because we do this kind of work it's important for us to think about like getting ratioed or piled onto or doing that to other people as well because it it can it's a huge possibility like when you yeah. do developer advocacy or something similar to that
0: i think it would be it's going to be something in the future within the next i hope two to five years where if you come into a company and you do have a public facing position and especially in a community as active online as software developers that we do have some kind of training or battle plan or like something to say, cool. So this is a scenario which will happen. You're going to get ratioed. First time I've used that in a sentence. Thank you. Um, (laughs) And this is what you should do. This is probably how you're going to feel. This is how you're going to do with it. This is how you protect your accounts and online security and all this kind of stuff, because this is, this is happening at the moment, but I don't think anyone's really taken any, like There are no digital courses for like, what happens if you get harassed online? It's like a public base for a company. like
2: Right. I think that's a great way to transition into like, if we're talking about how the next generation uses the internet, how they communicate, I think that really ties in well to this article that I found. I can't remember the exact title, but it is basically about how computer science educators, especially at the professor level in, in universities, have found that they're having a hard time um, teaching students post 2017 basic computer concepts especially when it comes to like directories and folders and things like that Um, and I think that really goes into the thing I find interesting about that is um, how it kind of colors how we'll have to deal with educating and teaching the newer generations about basic computer science concepts because the world has changed so much and a lot of times the way that we describe things now may not be what they'll understand in the future.
1: It's interesting because the like quintessential concept is a lot of students and younger people today don't understand the save icon with the floppy disk yeah. next to it. <laughs> and, and it's so funny because it makes sense. They've never had to use a floppy disk. I'm one of them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, honestly, I haven't touched a floppy disk since I was 10, maybe, mm. because like... My co- school computer had one, but like it's—it's interesting. This article goes into how students don't understand the concept of folders, yeah, on the computer systems, which blows my mind because that's—that's that's such a core aspect of how computer file systems work. Like they're named file systems for a reason because of files. Yeah,
0: are, are they talking specifically about kind of like the very low level? operating system like this is how a directory works or are they are they talking more about the kind of upper level you have a folder you can click into it you can create the series of other folders yeah they were referring to both both,
2: so what they were kind of saying because they kind of tackled both of the sides of that equation so as far as like actual like folders on your computer having more folders on your computer yada 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 they were saying that a lot of students when they would like tell them you need to go into this folder into that folder into this folder like get to this thing They didn't really know how to do that because um, and there were a couple of reasons why. One of the things that they mentioned was that a lot of us have grown up where you didn't need to know where anything on your computer was because you could just search. Mm -hmm. Some people grew up with computers where you had to know exactly where everything was in order to be able to find it later on and use whatever the thing is. And I'm not even sure if I'm explaining that correctly, because that's not what I grew up with. I grew up with always having being able to search globally on your computer, being able to search for things on YouTube, being able to search for things everywhere. Um, And I find and after like reading the article, even when it was describing the concept of directories and how a lot of students have a hard time understanding that because it's based off of the concept that like. You have what was it saying like um a, a file cabinet is basically what it's
1: right. A file cabinet yeah. with <laughs> folders, files in the folders, yeah. nested folders, yeah. all that. <laughs> and when Precursion I read and it,
2: at this point, I've been doing like working with directories and stuff like that on my like command line for a while. But when I first learned command line, I struggled so much. And reading the article, I was like, is that why? Is it because, like, I had never been really familiar with the whole, like, I even had to ask this now, like, what, what was the analogy? So I've never had to really deal with, like, file cabinets and knowing which file to go into and all that kind of stuff. So it's just interesting to, like, think about how as technology evolves and as generations grow and get older, it really changes how we view these systems that some of us are so used to, but some of us are not. So, yeah, I'm interested in hearing, too, like, if you have ever had an experience like that with either with the directories things or with anything in technology where you were like, "Mm, this isn't inherently understandable anymore. And I'm struggling with it, almost like I did with the whole command line thing. Yeah, it's
1: definitely a mental model thing. Like, I never really used a file cabinet, but I was exposed to them. And so I understand the concepts of it. But, for example, I think two episodes ago, some number of episodes ago, we talked about our productivity tools. And I really like Obsidian. And I've talked about it, how, how you can tag all of your notes. And then it has it has a really cool way of searching and, and showing a graph of your notes. And it's interesting seeing how different people organize their notes in it because yeah. there, there's a whole Obsidian community, and there's some people where they really rely on folders, saying all of my notes on this topic go in this folder, all of my notes on this topic go in here. Meanwhile, for myself, I use tags where it's all flat; everything is just in a giant folder, and kind of like you say, I, I search for what I need and, and or search for a high level topic, and then what I'm looking for eventually comes up. And I think getting used to that mental model in both ways is is just one of those concepts where you have to figure out what works for you and yeah. for students that are in these computer science classes they've never had to think that way about that set type of mental model because they can just search mm. and it works and they've never had to change that I,
0: I think that also kind of brings into the question of you know like it's it's an old way of doing things versus a new way of doing things and the old ways typically sometimes it is the best way but Sometimes it's not. And I feel like with the whole folder dynamic and search, for me, I I understand the benefits of search a lot more than I do. It's nice having everything compartmentalized and so everything is kind of, it has its place. But searching is so much faster. And I'm wondering if that's how computers are going to go where we're just going to completely abstract away the file system and we can know that we can just bring up a search bar. It'll have some kind of smart search feature and we can we can pull up the information like that with a couple of keystrokes as opposed to having to search through a a list of directories. And so it's, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, 30, 40 years on how operating systems and how file structures have changed as a result of the influence from a new generation of programmers kind of coming to the forefront.
1: Yeah. We had a podcast episode a while back with uh, Alexander Obenauer, who is basically researching this now. And he has some really interesting things. If you look up Alexander Obenauer lab notes, he, he... has been writing essays on these subjects on what does the future of personal computing look like and and a human operating system that that is more based on how we think rather than these more restrictive structures. And it's really interesting to hear his ideas. And and I think that he's probably not the only one out there who's exploring this, but it's it's the start of something and people are really seeing that now more than ever.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just want to add too, I feel like um one thing you said, Matt, about like searching is easier I think we're going to move into a world where we're going to stray away from like oh this is complex and so organized and everything looks so like precise and all that kind of stuff I think we're going to move into a place where we're going to much more prefer things that are simple and easy and quick especially with this new generation becoming like the you know, Gen Z is going to move into the people who are developing products and companies and joining companies and using this technology that we build. I think we're going to have to start thinking a lot more about making things simpler, as simple as possible and as easy as possible to get started. So I think there are some developer tools out there that make that possible, but I think there's a lot of space to improve in that way as well. So we'll see if our predictions are correct. We'll see.
1: Yeah. All the things that are growing are Based on instant gratification, pretty much. Like if you yeah. do look at TikTok as an yeah. example, it's been growing at rapid speed and is like the fastest growing app in the world. And it's because it's fast. Like if you want another funny video, mm. you just swipe and you just keep and and it's just it's just there. You're pretty much guaranteed to see something you like because it trains that algorithm directly so to well. you and and so well to the point where it's scary. And yeah. and so <laughs> it is. It's it's the kind of thing where i think computing is going in this direction where it's going to be very based on instant gratification because that's the stuff that people want
2: yeah i'm going to tie it all together by saying tiktok is actually how i got into k-pop and therefore (laughs) therefore it's the reason why i got ratioed so i blame tiktok yeah whoa
1: (laughs) it all comes together
0: Well, we're going to we're going to lead on from that to the lifeboat, which the shout out today is going to be for member 1983. Uh, I specifically looked for a JavaScript question because I was a front end developer and I found this one. Why can I not use new with an arrow function in JavaScript slash ES6? And uh, this person gave a very good explanation. They basically broke it down as to what did I do wrong? Can I turn an arrow function into a constructor? Can you explain how the specification disallows new with arrow functions? It's not something I previously thought about before. I knew you could couldn't do it, but now I know why, which is cool. great. So, yeah. thank you very much, 1983.
1: That's a good question too. I would like I would totally record a podcast on just that question because I love that topic, but another day another time.
0: <laughs> it would be great to do a function uh, just an episode on functional programming in JavaScript if if people want to contribute to that specific topic. It's a fun topic.
2: Yeah. yeah, maybe that'll be our okay. next topic. Mm. I, mm. I really
0: hope the next topic isn't Matt got ratioed. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and just here's why. Eventually, And that's about it. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining. Uh, I've been Matt Kiananda. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Kanda. Please don't ratio me just yet. I'm still working on my social presence.
1: I'm Cassidy Williams. You can find me at Cassidoo, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on
2: most things. And I'm Cioro. You can find me on Twitter. That's where I'm most active. My username there is Ciorio. That's C-E-E-O-R-E-O underscore.
0: Great! Thank you so much, everyone. It's been a blast, and we'll see you next time.